The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the ninth chapter. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. A lot of things, it doesn't matter when you do them in life, what order you do things in. Certain tasks, you can pick whatever you want to do first, and you can flip-flop it around if you want, and it's not going to make a difference. But other things, the order is important. It's important to make sure you do step one before step two. Um, I think about back when I was learning how to put my own clothes on as a kid, and soon something we'll be teaching Nathan to do, that there's an order for it. You remember, mom is teaching you, well, you can't put your shoes on before you put your pants on. I remember a few times trying to pull those pants over those shoes just to let mom let me learn the point for myself. The best way is to let the kid make the mistake and he figures it out. You gotta get the order right. Another one is, of course, that stereotypical situation that you see in shows and movies all the time where a spouse, and they always portray it as the husband, messes up somehow. And, he says or does something that he shouldn't, and then, of course, he wants to buy back the affections of his wife or his girlfriend, and he brings her flowers. Now, flowers are good, but I think the words, I am sorry, ought to precede the flowers. Otherwise, it's just seemed for the vain, uh, kind of, uh, very simple way of just sort of manipulating the affections back. You've got to iron things out before there is the show of affection. Or another one, if you think of it this way, if there's a house and you have a leaky faucet in the bathroom sink, it's drip, drip, drip all the time and it's slowly just leaving a little bit of the buildup at the bottom of the sink and the water bill, while well, it doesn't affect it a little but much, it does a little bit and you've got to take care of it. Well, you should take care of it, but if there's a grease fire on the stove in the kitchen, the faucet can wait. Take care of the grease fire first, then take care of the faucet. And no, don't worry, Denny, I haven't had that problem at the parsonage. Joe. I'm not telling tales from my personal experience here. No, it's important to get the order for certain things right, to make sure that you're doing it in the best way for it to happen. And a lot of things just won't work if you don't get the order right. First things must be put first. And that brings us to today's miracle in Matthew's Gospel. The order in which Jesus says and does things in the gospel is absolutely right. Now you might think, if you examine the situation for how it played out, that maybe it would have been the other way around. The people go through the trouble of bringing this paralytic to Jesus. You would think that he would get right to it first. The guy can't walk. He can heal him, so just heal him first. Let everybody see that you have power and authority that you are of God, and make the man walk, and then, after you've gotten their attention, talk about the forgiveness of sins. Give him the absolution that he does. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven you. 
That, to me, kind of makes sense as the order to do it, at least at first thought. Uh, you know, think about someone who speaks for a living. You always try, to a degree, put something interesting at first to get people's attention, then talk about the meat of the thing. Well, I'd say making a man walk who'd never been able to walk, or at least hadn't for a long time, that's going to get your attention to where then they're going to give you the time of day when you go on and say, by the way, I can also forgive your sins. You think it would be the other way around, but no. Jesus is right. He's right in the order that he does it because he understands the actual order of what the man needs. This poor man who can't walk, who needs his sins forgiven and he needs to walk, he needs the sins forgiven first. Our needs of our bodies, the things that we need physically in this life, they're absolutely important. Try telling a person who hasn't gotten a good night's rest for a night or several nights that, well, sleep isn't that important if you have Jesus Christ. Well, no, he's got to get up and work. He's got to function during the day. He needs that physical thing called rest. Physical needs are real. James talks about this in his letter. He says, if a brother or sister, which is in the Bible shorthand for Christian, is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? He's talking to Christians, people that know that the center of our life and existence is the justification we've received in Christ's blood, but he talks about caring also for people's physical needs. We don't just dismiss them because we know that we're justified by God as something secondary or not even important at all. We have physical needs that can't be ignored. If someone doesn't have clothing and shelter, especially in Illinois winters, which are indeed coming, they will die. If someone doesn't have food and drink, their body, after a certain amount of days or weeks, will die. The physical needs are essential. And likewise, someone who can't walk, someone who can't use the body that God gave them in that situation, absolutely, he needed to be healed. His physical need and ailment needed to be fixed. Especially if there's someone, namely Jesus, who is there who can help him, who can fix him full and complete. But these needs, great as they are, they are indeed actually secondary. I said they weren't a minute ago, but they are secondary to the one thing that is needful, Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. They are important, but there is an order to the importance. All men are sinners. All human beings need a savior. Each one of us needs to have the gap that we created by our sin from God to be bridged by someone else. And of all the things that are true in this world, all of the knowledge, philosophies, art, science, math, whatever you want, all of those truths pale in comparison to that fundamental truth that we need to be made right with God by someone outside of ourselves. For somebody to have every physical blessing, all riches in this world, all power, honor, and glory, but for that person not to be reconciled with God through faith in Jesus Christ, that person is a poor man indeed. Those physical things avail him not when he has the greatest need. 
an intermediary when he stands before the throne of God. Jesus Christ, our Lord, understood this. Of course he did. But he also taught it. And he taught it from the very beginning of his own ministry and as far back as Deuteronomy where he borrowed the verse from. When he was being tempted by the devil out in the wilderness at the start of his three-year ministry, of course he was fasting for 40 days and hungry. And we know the story. The devil understands temptation very well. We know from personal experience. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread and have a full belly. You'll be just fine. But Jesus uses the devil's manipulation of his knowledge of him being son of God to retort to him, man does not live by bread alone, by the physical needs alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And namely for us, every word from God which bespeaks us righteous in Christ. We also know the story well of John chapter 6 and the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus does this wonderful miracle and people are amazed. Those that had no food out in the wilderness had food and their stomachs were full. They were satisfied. They all ate and there was leftovers afterward. They wanted to make Jesus their king on the spot because of that magnificent gift and miracle that he gave to them. But then he keeps going. He gives a discourse, talking to them about how he is the bread from heaven, and whoever eats will never be hungry, and whoever drinks of his blood will never thirst, whoever eats of his body, rather. All this stuff, which is kind of weird for them, and they don't care. They just wanted the actual bread and fish that he gave. This other stuff, well, the spiritual stuff, not as important to them. And they left following him, save only for the disciples. But the question we ought to have when we recall that is, well, what good is it for them to have those bellies full of bread and fish, but to walk away from the one who is the bread of life, who gives himself for the life of the world? People that ate manna in the wilderness during Israel's exodus from Egypt, they ate and were full, but they still died. The physical needs taken care of in the moment paled finally, of the spiritual need in comparison with the spiritual need which they had to be right with their God. Important as physical needs are, and they truly, truly are, one must have, though, the greatest need filled and that greatest need filled first. And in Jesus Christ, that is what we have. That is what God gives us. Taking care of that spiritual need, that spiritual hunger, which goes far deeper and far longer than any sort of physical hunger or need that we could have. The man in Matthew 9, he got his healing. The Lord did give him the ability to get up, take up his mat, and go home. But only after Jesus gave him the greater gift. This paralyzed man, he said to, your sins are forgiven, first and foremost. You are right with God. God looks at you and says, not guilty. God looks at you and says, you are mine, and on judgment day, you have no reason to blush, you have nothing to hide, your sins are forgiven you. So let us then, as our, in our lives as Christians, seek after the same things. Ask God for your daily bread. We all do and we all need it. But ask him first and greatest for the bread from heaven. Ask him for Jesus the man that came to take care of not merely our hunger on a Sunday afternoon, 
but came to take care of our eternal hunger, whereby we thirst for and long for God's righteousness and fellowship with him. That is the one thing needful. It's the first thing in the frame for all of the gifts that we seek for after the Lord, and he is glad and generous to give it to us. To the same Jesus Christ be all honor, glory, and worship now and forever. Amen.